Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. Scott Nielsen is Chief Culture and Talent Officer at Alltech. Scott has experience in human resources policy development and administration, benefits plan design and administration, employee relations, recruiting and staffing, compensation, training and development, and employment law compliance with an emphasis on strategy, systems, and organization design. At Alltech, it's his mission to cultivate the growth and development of the company's most important asset, its people. So our focuses for this conversation are the raw materials, talent, and culture, and why these things matter to the well-being and success of an organization. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Tom. I'm delighted to be here. And so just to get our bearings, Scott, are culture and talent synonymous with human resources? Generally, yes. Uh, the profession of human resources has evolved from personnel management to human resources to human capital. Uh, now you may see many companies using the term people instead of HR. Um, here at Alltech, our focus is on the fact that our culture and the talent of our people are strategic contributors to our success. So for us, culture and talent can and should be cultivated and developed and can be a very meaningful part of uh, our team members' experience here. Well, Scott, we're living in extraordinary times right now, some of it very puzzling, and we want to tap into your expertise to try to better comprehend the fact that there are some 10 million job openings out there in the U.S. right now, but about 8.5 million people are unemployed, and these numbers just don't seem to add up. Lots of jobs, too few takers. What's going on? Well, uh, you're right. It doesn't really add up. And in fact, the the latest numbers that I think I saw this weekend were almost close to 11 million mm -hmm. positions now, which is a record. Uh, well, so to start, uh, Tom, this this is a very complex issue. Um, there are a lot of factors at play, uh, not just the pandemic that we've been going through here. We know that childcare costs are making it difficult for parents to rejoin the workforce. Um, primarily, that's affecting women and single parents more than, than others. Uh, we also have learned that, you know, as people have been able to work remotely or, or have been unemployed for a period of time, uh, many have been reevaluating what the work they do means to them and how it fits into their values. So I believe people want to contribute and provide for themselves and their families. Uh, however, they also want to feel like they've contributed something meaningful. Uh, we're seeing some geographic shifts in the workforce as well. Some people need to or, or because of a loss of a job or simply because they want to are relocating to have a better uh, quality of life. You know, Tom, we, we may be seeing or hearing comments that uh, people just don't want to work. I, I don't think that's the case. I think people want to be more purposeful in what they're doing and the type of life they want to live. Do you think the pandemic has brought about some sort of a reset in that respect? I think in some ways it has because, again, people have had a situation where they can uh, take a look at what is meaningful to them. And, and in some cases, it's been very difficult and very challenging for individuals uh, who have had to figure their way through this, this difficult time. Um, and 
what we're seeing is that, you know, I wouldn't call it a reluctance to get back to work. I would, I would think of it more as a reluctance to go back to how things might have been, recognizing that they see that there might be something that is more meaningful to them. Well, we're talking about a, a lot of job openings out there. Uh, what are three or four most important first steps that a hiring manager should take before beginning that hiring process? I would say the first thing is to just be very clear about what the role is going to to be. Um, And that sounds very simple, but fundamentally, we need to think about work from the perspective of the value that it adds. Uh, as opposed to simply a job to fill. You know, perhaps uh, a manager is looking to fill a position that has been vacated for whatever reason, and it may be a matter of, well, let's just uh, replace that position. And the reality is there may be an opportunity to rethink how that work uh, can be done now uh, can it be done more effectively in a different way? Can we align it in with other objectives? So being very clear on, on what that is, understanding what the needs are. And, of course, um, opportunities and business needs are changing every day, and that may create different uh, opportunity for where we focus those resources. How important are internal programs and initiatives to developing talent along their career path? Well, as individuals, we never stop growing. <laughs> we can uh, identify that, uh, identify some of those experiences that will uh, create a more rich journey for the the person. One of the things that that we're starting to look at very closely is the idea of uh, the employee experience. You know, how are we engaging people even before they uh, come on board with us as as we're in the uh, uh, recruiting and interviewing process? Um, once we do make a decision, how do we onboard them and make sure that they understand what the mission and the, the vision of the company are? And I know those are phrases that might get tossed around, but it, it's actually very important for somebody to be able to align their personal interests with what the company is doing. That, that creates a lot of uh, value. And then, of course, you know, we have any type of um, educational programs or learning opportunities. These don't necessarily have to be formal programs. They can be job enrichment where an individual expresses an interest or a, a manager notices that an individual might be able to expand their skill set. And so they do something to uh, to help work through that. Uh, and then another piece of that is telling the story of all of those initiatives. Uh, for example, here uh, at Altec, we have a number of things that have have been part of the culture from early on that truly uh, create some of those development opportunities. We have a back-to-basics program. We also have a mini-MBA program that uh, individuals might get tied into. And those are excellent opportunities for the individual to to grow and develop and also create tremendous value for the company. So there's there's actually, you know, that's probably one of the greatest opportunities we have is to find ways to continually encourage employees to develop and to give them those opportunities. 
Well, when you first work into an, walk into an organization, you're like a stranger in a strange land, and there is a lot of orientation that has to go on. Does a good manager practice patience with that person and, and give them the space and time, you know, a week or so, a couple of weeks, to just become oriented, to find their sea legs, as it were? I think it can go both ways there, Tom. Realistically, we all know that when somebody is joining, it's because we have a need, and and we need to uh, to have them be productive. At the same time, we can't expect them to be productive right off the bat, and and there are a lot of things that an, a, an employee needs to learn just to get a frame of reference of the organization. So, uh, yes, absolutely, a manager needs to have some patience with that. I would suggest that what a manager also is going to benefit from and the employee more particularly will benefit from is to have a plan. So, you know, what does the first day look like? What does the first week look like? And what are the the events? Who who are we going to connect this person to? Do we have a mentor, for example, that we can put them with, whether it's even just a job mentor or whether it's uh, someone just to help them get to know the company a little better? Um, how can we create some of the relationships that they we know they will need to have to do their job well? Let's let's figure out a plan to put some of those things in place so that when they first show up, we kind of know what's what's in store for them. They can understand and can get, uh, as you as you put it, get their legs underneath them and, and move forward and hopefully rise to productivity more quickly. Well, culture has always been an important feature of the workplace, and it can be a minefield from hierarchy to humor. Uh, talk to us about company culture and why managers and owners need to pay particular attention to it. Well, it's important to note that uh, the company culture exists whether you pay attention to it or not. Uh, mm-hmm. Culture, you know, consists of of the ways we interact with each other, the activities or results we put emphasis on, how we recognize and support each other. Just a, a lot of things uh, that are coming into play with that. Um, just as a as an example, growing up out west, my father had a small orchard of peach and pear trees, and we needed to irrigate the the orchard. Now, of course, we had the furrows between the trees, but during the water turns, uh, we had to make sure that the furrows weren't clogged with leaves or other debris, and you know, make sure the water got to the end of the row. Similarly, if a manager isn't thinking about the cultural attributes of their operations or how their people are behaving, if they're not paying attention to those things, they may give you know clear objectives for the work, but find that things aren't happening the way they would like it to be. Um, so I think that uh, from that perspective, uh, you know, a manager needs to think about uh, the organization and just being aware of what's happening. Um, I, I would also suggest that culture is the glue that holds the organization together. It includes the norms, the values that are expected. You know, we have to realize every time we bring a new person into the work group, they're coming in with their own culture or with yeah their own cultural norms and values. Uh, And that's one of the reasons that selecting new hires is so important. Well, let's drill down just a bit further and talk about micro 
cultures. What is a microculture, and how, how do these microcultures take on different meanings depending on one's role and department within a company? I define microculture as uh, the culture of a work group. We know that within an organization, we may have a company culture. And that is absolutely important for us to be as clear as we can on what the culture is that we want within the organization. At the same time, since culture is influenced by how individuals interact with each other, um, the behaviors, the norms that they have, you might find uh, a group having a, a little different culture. You know, one group may be a little more focused on um, speed, if you will, whereas another is a little more focused on accuracy because of the type of work that they're doing, and those are cultural differences. So that that's a bit of how we get a difference in in the uh, the cultures. I um, one other thought there is that we need to help managers and supervisors understand just how much of an impact their behaviors and interactions with their team members have on that microculture. It can truly make a meaningful difference for the the employee or the team member in how they contribute and what they do and how much they enjoy being a part of that team. So it remains important to lead by example. Absolutely. Always, always has been the case. And uh, oftentimes, a a supervisor or a manager may not recognize that uh, every piece of their example matters. Well, what can a team leader do to make sure the company culture has extended to their team and to establish a positive microculture within their own team and one that ensures that everybody is on the same page and has the same goal? Let me kind of back up and describe culture as a tapestry. This is the way that I've I've viewed culture for many years now is that it's it's like a tapestry. If you think about a beautiful tapestry hanging on a wall, there are, you know, many different colors, patterns and designs in a tapestry. However, there are certain colors or design themes that flow through the entire tapestry. And I think that uh, as we look at culture, we need to think about the what I'll call the thread running through the tapestry. And so team leaders need to understand that, that broad picture, the whole tapestry, and how does my piece of the organization, the team that I'm leading, how does the work that they're doing fit into all of this? And then tie that together. And the, you know, one of the key ways to do that is with communication. Um, such an important part of uh, what a team leader does, be able to create a, a common language and understanding uh, and make sure that everyone understands the, you know, where are we going? How is this work aligning with the objective of the company? And the overall culture ties it together, whereas these microcultures and the, the managers, the team leaders, are able to influence it at a very direct level. As you described just a moment ago, one team might have emphasis on speed, another on a deliberate uh, 
focus on accuracy. So various departments can have competing needs, agendas, ideas. Is there an approach to managing these various dynamics to ensure constructive outcomes? Right. So <laughs> differences are going to create uh, a little bit of, uh, I, I don't want to use the word conflict, I'd rather use the word friction. And uh, along with thinking about friction is the whole idea of traction. So too often we might can think about some of these things as negatives, and the reality is that it's okay for us to have some of those differences as long as we understand how they influence and help uh, achieve the objectives across the organization. So, you know, we can't really take a, uh, a one-size-fits-all uh, type approach to this. And coming back to the, to the idea of a tapestry, if, it, if everything were the same, yeah, I, for my opinion, it would be a little bit of a boring mm-hmm. uh, tapestry. Rather, you know, we need to have some of that, those differences. And uh, the, the method for a team leader to do that, again, clearly comes back to understanding where are we going as an overall organization and how does this piece of the business uh, that I, you know, have some responsibility for. How how does that tie in and uh, help the entire organization succeed? Okay, let's turn in a slightly different direction and talk about family operations and farming. Uh, these family operations actually account for about 96% of the farms in the United States. And it might seem that legacy is built in, but... Is that true? Does legacy need to be cultivated, and how best to accomplish that mindset? So interestingly, uh, a number of years ago, I did a little research on family uh, transition, generational transition of businesses, and uh, as we know, oftentimes there's there's a big challenge associated with that, and many family operations struggle to continue for multiple generations. One of the strongest ways, both from what I learned and, and what I think we see with a lot of uh, operations today, is just always, always tell the story. So, you know, why did the the founder start and develop, in this case, the farm, for example? You know, was it simply a matter of need or was there some other interest associated? Why was it continued? What are the challenges that have been overcome and, and what are the accomplishments that have been achieved uh, as it goes forward? Um, storytelling is by far the best way to maintain and ingrain the culture in an organization and to help that legacy uh, come about. Well, Scott, I know that you have your own talent as a singer and a member of a barbershop harmony society. And I'm sure your colleagues and other employees bring their own to the table. Is it to a company's advantage to support and encourage talents and passion outside the workplace? And if so, why? So, yes, uh, you know, this this gets to the idea of recognizing the whole person. I have, for a number of years, been concerned with the idea that that perhaps, I, I don't think everyone, but perhaps some organizations think that, you know, when someone walks through the door, I, I, they need to leave part of themselves outside the door. And that just doesn't feel natural to me because I don't do that. Now, I don't sing in the uh, the office. Some may like it, some may not. Um, but being able to find joy 
and fulfillment in an activity outside of the workplace definitely influences how someone is inside. We know the talents are not unidimensional. We know that when people can find that joy and meaning in their lives, regardless of where they find it, if they find it in their work and outside, it just uh, allows them to be more energized and productive overall. I'm sure you keep an eye on trends, on current trends, what's going on in, in the field. And I'm just wondering what of those trends that you're watching excite you and give you confidence in the future? Well, yes, there are a number of things that have, that have been happening. Uh, you know, one that really comes to mind is that I think we've, we have to recognize that uh, leaders are making significant efforts to be listening and to be empathetic. We understand that there's been a lot of challenges for many different reasons in different ways uh, over the last period of time, and so I think we've got some some uh, good focus there. Uh, one of the things that really has jumped out at me is just the idea that uh, this there, there's an entire population of people that we now refer to as essential workers that have been getting a spotlight because they are so important and so integral to making the uh the, the making our society run and and you know I mean from our perspective that includes the folks in the agribusiness uh and uh, uh associated companies that that is just so important additionally i think we've got some attention that uh, is being focused on inclusion equity and diversity we know that those have been issues for a number of years and and uh, i think it's just good that we're seeing some additional focus and and hopefully some continued change there as we move forward. All right. Scott Nielsen is Chief Culture and Talent Officer at Alltech. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm Tom Martin. Thanks for listening. This has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.